0: You're listening to a sermon from the Spring Midtown Church in Phoenix, Arizona. If you'd like to learn more about the Spring and its ministry, please visit the springmidtown.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. I don't believe in the environment. I don't believe that it exists, and neither do you. The word was created by people who didn't like the word nature or the word creation because they seemed really superstitious and they weren't scientific enough. And so they came up with a word, uh, with a word that means the world that surrounds me or the word that, the world that encircles me and all of humanity, that we are distinct from and separate from this world. We are objective observers. And that's fine, but it has little to no relationship to reality. Reality is so much more intimate than that, so much more complicated, so much more interesting than that. I drink from this world. I eat from this world. I live here. I sleep here. I, I breathe it in. I'm very much a part of this world, and this world is very much a part of me. We belong to one another. And this is a real problem for a secular environmentalist. Because they really want to talk about the world as a valuable thing, something worth preserving and saving and and caring for, as though it were a gift. But their view of the world is that it's a random rock full of random things that don't particularly matter. The Christian view of the world is better. It's better, and it's better for this reason. If you remember the story, what, it, what we would say is that it's dust. The dust of the world is our dust. Its bones are our bones. We are of a piece with creation. We are intimately connected to the world that God has made. That everything that is, you and me, and all of the plants and animals and trees and stars and all of creation in the cosmos, all of those things are the work of a master craftsman, that they are incredibly valuable in the way that a work of art is incredibly valuable. And this really fits with what most people experience most of the time. You can explore creation, even if you just watch the Planet Earth videos, they're, they're amazing, right? And you just you wanna go where they're shooting, you want it to be there, you wanna see those things, you wanna experience that. Have you Ever stood on the beach with your feet in the sand and watched the breakers when there's a storm far away? If you've ever sat on a cliff and watched sunrise or sunset, if you've been on top of a mountain and looked down at the trees below and at the stars winking into existence in the sky, if you've ever felt small near a waterfall, you, you know the, the beauty and the mystery of creation. You've begun to experience just a little bit of the goodness of the creator. We genuinely believe that there is, there is a sense of God out in the world, and that sense of gratitude and bigness and mystery and wonder and truth, that is a, just the tiniest little glimmer of how great and how good our God is. And that is something worth saving and protecting, something actually that we are commanded to take care of in the Bible. And so the question really is, how are we stewarding the gift that we've been given in creation? I'm not gonna talk about climate change at the moment. I'm gonna talk about something I think is universal. If you've ever been in a car driving down the 51 and looking at the valley or maybe the I-10 or any other freeway and you've seen the smog right? if you can't see buildings that you should be able to see, you can't see mountains you should be able to see and you just think right? I've been breathing that all day and not only that, I'm stuck in a traffic jam I'm creating that right now and we know that smoking is bad for us but this cannot be good for us. Right? If you've ever walked by a canal and seen just trash in there And then you start to think, that water is going to people's homes. That water is going to farmland. That water, at some point, is something I'm going to eat from or drink from. Do people not realize where this water goes? Or if you've ever been to the grocery store and you wanted to buy lettuce or wheat flour, only to find that you can't buy it because of a meat disease. And I'll tell you, my nine-year-old self would have already told you that lettuce is bad for you because it tastes evil. But I I think there's something wrong with the way we're dealing with the world if you get meat diseases from vegetables. That's a very strange thing that happens in the world in which we live. There seems to be a problem. What should we do? How should we respond? How should we be better stewards of the world in which we live, creation? Well, I I think the mistake is to say, well, I I should elect someone, or I need to figure out that the, the government needs to solve that problem. Someone else needs to solve that problem for me. That, that may be good. It may be good to get governments involved. But I actually have a great deal of authority and influence over the creation that comes well, around me, the, the, the bit and the patch of the world that I'm a part of. I have a lot of control, actually, over how I use gasoline and how I use electricity and how I use water. I have control over whether I drive or whether I walk or whether I carpool or whether I take the bus. I have a lot of control, actually, over whether or not I plant trees where I live or learn to garden. I have a lot of control about the kind of waste that I produce and the way I treat waste. Imagine if Christians were known for constantly picking up trash. If that was one of the things, like, those are the people obsessive about it, picking up litter in the streets and they always talk about how they have a God who made the world and he loves the world, he doesn't want them to treat it like this. Imagine. But all of this, all of these sorts of behaviors don't begin with well, deciding we should be different and feeling bad about things. Actually, it all begins with loving creation, with a deep affection for living things. For plants and trees and sunrises and sunsets, for the love of the earth, for the love of the wind, for the love of the water, for the reality that God made this place and that we love this place because He loves this place, that He's given it to us as a gift. How are we stewarding the gifts that we've been given? That's the question Peter is going to ask us today. Uh, if you want to turn with me to First Peter, that's the series we've been in. First Peter four seven. That's where we're starting. We're just picking up where we left off. This is a series we've been doing called On a Mission of Hope. That mission extends to every corner of creation like good gardeners would. 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious and discipline yourselves for the sake of your prayers. Above all, maintain constant love for one another for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. 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 Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It's just a great phrase. The manifold grace of God. To be good stewards, uh, Peter says. But he doesn't really make it clear how we should be good stewards. And so I think I'm going to outline a process for us uh, of discipleship, a process for being good stewards of gifts that we've been given. we just practiced it, actually, with creation. It was a good test case. Uh, first, you want to be thankful. You want to be thinkful. And you want to be thorough. Thankful, thinkful, and thorough. Yes, I know there's a word, thoughtful. I like thinkful. It's much better. Thankful, right? We recognize what we've been given. We look around and we see actually that we have a variety of different gifts. Thinkful. What are we doing with those gifts? Thorough. How are we acting on what we know we should be doing with those gifts? Knowing that we don't just think and that's where it stops. Thankful, thankful, and thorough. It's a process worth walking through because not everyone's a good steward. Just the phrase that we should be good stewards implies that we're kind of always stewards. You are always stewarding the gifts that you've been given. Always. It's just a question of whether you're doing it well or badly. Or mediocrely, I suppose, if that's a word. Thinkful's a word, mediocrely's a word. Uh, Whether we're good stewards or bad stewards. Um, A lot of my time in ministry has been with uh, younger folks. And the fun thing about younger folks is that they have a lot to learn and they're really okay with learning it. And one of the areas that I've spent a lot of time talking to a lot of different people about is money. How to be good stewards of money. And I've had a lot of conversations that sound exactly like this. Hundreds, maybe thousands of this conversation. You know, man, I just I don't contribute to my employer's like matching 401k thing. Why? Well, I don't want to lose 3% of my paycheck. You're not losing 3% of your paycheck. You're gaining 3% more. That's, that's what matching means. Either you're taking 3% of your money, you're putting it in an account, and they're putting 3% more into that account. That's your account. It's your money. You could take it out. You shouldn't. But you could. It's your money. You're kidding. No. And what do you mean when you say that you can't afford, like you, in your paycheck, to, to put that money in? You're making like thirty five, forty five thousand $45,000 a year, right? Yeah, something like that. You don't know how much money you make? No. I can tell you, you're you're making more money than me, and you live at home, and you don't pay rent. Yeah. Dude, you could buy a house. I could buy a house? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Where's your money going? I don't know. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start budgeting. Budgeting is a great word and some of you this is really old news. You've learned to budget a while ago, either because you had great models of money in your life, which is wonderful, or because you learned some very painful, very expensive lessons along the way. Budgeting. It's a fun thing to learn. And some of you at the moment are feeling convicted because you're thinking, I've been meaning to do that. That's okay. It is a good thing to learn to do, and it is actually a very biblical thing to learn to do—to use money well. To follow Jesus is occasionally to use math. Math is involved sometimes <laughs> in following Jesus. That's—it's an unfortunate reality, but that's just true. And sometimes we go, "Well, I just—I love and I believe in Jesus, and I can live really irresponsibly." And little by little, as you read the Bible and as you think a little bit, of, you know, actually, I, I can't be irresponsible with the gifts. <laughs> that I've been given, and some of you I know are using apps for this purpose, and I just want to encourage you, don't only use the app. The app's purpose is to think for you. That's a lazy way of being a good steward. It might be good to get some pieces of paper or an Excel spreadsheet, I know this sounds very nerdy, and actually look at where your money is going, how you're spending it, and how you would like to spend it, and start becoming a better steward. We want to be good stewards of these gifts that God has given us. And again, for some of you, this is easy. You figured out the money thing a long time ago. You're champions at this. You've been tithing for years. You're generous for years. You know exactly what to do. But there are other gifts, really, other gifts that Peter's talking about. Uh, For one thing, he says that if if we're being good stewards, right, that we would also be hospitable to one another, that we'd be inviting people into our homes on a regular basis. And for some folks, they're, well, I, I want to use my money well, but I'm really uncomfortable with giving people my space. I'm really comfortable giving people my time, with allowing people into my family, allowing people access in that way. My time is my time. My space is my space. Yeah, that, that's not a, a great way to be a steward of the thing that God's given you. Your home, actually, your time, your family. These, these are things that God has given you to be good stewards of. We should be inviting people into our homes—non-Christian folks, Christian folks, folks from the church, refugees, immigrants, homeless people. We should be inviting people into our homes on a regular basis. That's costly. That's difficult. Part of what it means to be a good steward. Be hospitable. Now, Peter is saying this to people in a world where there are no hotels. Where the word hotel would be synonymous with the word whorehouse. Those are the same. There is no Marriott. That's just, that's not a thing. And so the only way that some of these pastors and missionaries are even able to preach the gospel is because people are inviting them into their homes. Some of these pastors and missionaries are willing to be homeless because that's the only other option they have invite people into your homes He says. now again maybe these things are really easy for you are you a good steward of your time God's gifts are rampant in your life you don't always think of these things as your gifts sometimes you think of them as just belonging to you are you a good steward of your time do you go to work and have a decent work life balance do you work for 8 hours and then come home and continue answering emails and continue responding to your boss and do that until you fall asleep and then you wake up and you do it again does it never really end, the office? Does the office never really end? Are you being a good steward of your time? Are you being a good steward of your family? Are you being a good steward of your work? Stewardship, a life in balance, a life lived before God, people using gifts really, really well. That's what Peter is talking about. And these gifts, they're all sort of overlapping. Now, that, that, the word manifold refers to sort of a, an overlapping kind of gifts. In math, it actually refers to when two-dimensional things become three-dimensional and complex. Uh, the word in Greek is poikiles and it refers to many colored or many faceted like when you look at a diamond and you see all sorts of different angles and shapes and colors or if you looked into a kaleidoscope for the first time and you're overwhelmed by color and shape and angle and then somebody spins it and it gets even more overwhelming with color and shape and angle that's what God's gifts are like, Peter says it, it would be difficult to list them all it would be difficult to count them all but you can count on this everything you have in your life is a gift Everything you have in your life is a gift. Your very existence is a gift. Are you thankful? Are you thankful? Are you thorough? Are you being good stewards of the gifts that you've been given? There's this weird practice in the psychological world. They have people list things that they're thankful for. Whether or not you believe in anyone to be thankful to. Just a practice to kind of work into your life. There was a Harvard study actually at one point that said that just listing three to five things a day, writing them down, can genuinely improve quality of life and happiness in people. Even people who are severely depressed, even people who despair of life itself. It has this weird impact on who you are. We know why. Because that's the very beginning, the very beginning of a relationship with the creator of the universe. The very beginning of rightly connecting to the God that we follow, saying, thank you. Even if you don't believe in him. Just the beginnings of thank you. And suddenly that has an effect on people's lives. And the more gratitude we see in your life, the more you actually start thinking, well, these things are really good in my life. How, how could I see more of those things in my life? How could I be better at using those things in my life? How could I enjoy them more? And then how do I follow through on that? Thankful, thankful, thorough. I've learned most of what I've learned about good stewardship by being bad uh, as a steward. I learned painful lessons. That's, some people are smart and read books and learn that way. I learn by making huge mistakes and severe pain and then growing eventually. That's my move. It's, uh, it, I don't recommend it, actually, but it works. There was this girl I dated in college and she had this profound impact on my life at one point. I, I came to her and we were talking. And I started bragging about how I had gotten a B in a really difficult science class without ever opening my book. It's still saran wrapped, I said. Mm -hmm. And I was super impressed by this, and she was not. And I thought she might be, and she was not. And uh, she also wasn't just disgusted by the arrogance of that. (laughs) Uh, What Instead, the way she reacted was with anger. Uh, She whirled on me and just started lecturing me. How dare you? Do you realize there are people who would kill to be as smart as you? There are people who would kill to learn the things you learn and remember things the way you remember things, and you waste that? You have a gift. How dare you? And little 20-year-old Luke Parker went, oh, okay, um, I might need to grow up a little bit. It's still, I still remember that conversation. It still sticks with me to this day because I was being such a terrible steward of something that God had given me. It's okay, by the way, to realize you've been a bad steward with something. Uh, gratitude actually is one of the first kind of signs I'm really thankful for this in my life I actually don't know that I'm using this very well I think I'm misusing this are you being a good steward of your body it's a gift your body something God gave you do you keep talking about going to the doctor but you never do I feel pain I know I should Hmm. eventually do you keep talking about getting your diet under control but you never do you keep talking about getting back into shape? Do you keep talking about the gym that you've been a member of for like eight or nine months now and don't actually go to? Do you keep talking about it? What, is, what does it really look like to be grateful, to be thankful for our bodies? That almost immediately turns into a kind of thankfulness, and then that almost immediately turns into a kind of thoroughness. Now, for those of us who are married, are you being good with your body because your body belongs to somebody else? You have to be a good steward of a gift that is not actually yours. It belongs to someone else. What does that really look like in your relationship, in your marriage? What does your body look like when it belongs to someone else? For those of you who are not married, not married, by the way, means single. That's what we say. Not married means single. Are you being a good steward of your body? A good steward of your body? Because you know, actually, that that might belong to somebody else at some point. That that's not just a gift that you want to treat as worthless. That's a gift that you want to treat as valuable and precious. And so for Christians to really love our bodies well means celibacy. means being people who are faithful and patient with the way we use our bodies, knowing that God has given them to us as a gift, that we're thankful for these things, that we're thankful with the way that we use them, that we're thorough in what we do. Because they're a gift. How are we using the gifts that God has given us? Are we being good stewards? Peter goes on and he starts talking about spiritual gifts. And he talks about how the end of the world is near. And for most folks, I think when you think of religions talking about the end of the world is near, you're like, great, now I can be irresponsible. Because the end of the world is near. I can take out debt, I can be dumb, I can ignore people, I can treat my body like it doesn't matter, I can eat whatever I want, I can do whatever I want. The end is near. And paradoxically, Peter says the end is near, so it's time to become better stewards. The end is near. It's time to be disciplined, it's time to be serious. For the sake of your prayers, watch how you're loving one another, watch how you're treating one another, watch how you're living your life, Are you being hospitable. The end is near. It's time to become better stewards. Because there may come a day when you will stand before God and he will look at you and say, what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? What did you do with the body that I gave you? What did you do with the time that I gave you? What did you do with the money I gave you? What did you do with the creation that I gave you? Did you have fun? Did you enjoy it? Did you explore? Did you have adventures? And you don't want to say I spent a lot of time on this little rectangle in my pocket. That was most of my time was spent there. Actually, I missed a lot of the gifts that you had to give me. The end is near. He says, get better at this. And again, he talks about spiritual gifts, that actually we would believe, those of us who follow Jesus, that there's more to you than merely those things that you can see and touch and taste and smell. that actually, we would say there's a spiritual component to who you are, to who everyone is, your soul, and that is a gift. Are you being a good steward of your soul? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you spending time asking some of the deeper questions about who we are and why we're here and, and what that really looks like? Are you thankful for the gift that you've been given? Are you thankful with the way that you're using it? Are you thorough? How is your soul lately? And if that's a question you haven't asked in a long time, it might be worth asking it might actually be worth sitting down and spending some time in a journal, maybe writing down some things that you're thankful for, maybe writing down some areas that you want to be more thankful about or th- some, some ways you know that you've just sort of stopped with the thinking and you need to be more thorough. What does it look like to be good stewards of the gifts that we've been given? Peter also was talking about spiritual gifts, and he, c- he continues on and he, he starts saying that whoever speaks should speak with the, s- the words of God, that whoever serves should serve as though God were giving them the strength. With a supernatural, superhuman kind of strength, and Peter doesn't bother listing spiritual gifts. But elsewhere in the Bible, we hear lots about spiritual gifts, and there are always long lists. And he seems pretty content with just that adjective: the manifold gifts, the manifold grace of God. But in the other places in the Bible, the lists are never really, you know, complete. They, they, start and you'll hear things like some people are apostles and prophets and leaders and teachers and some people have faith and some people are prayer warriors and some people are generous and some people are gracious and some people are really prophets and some people are artists and some people are craftsmen and some people are musicians and the list goes on and on and on because it turns out that God who's a giver of good gifts, who's given us so many gifts that we can't really count them, gives us so many spiritual gifts that we can't really count them. The God who's made every human being, in fact, makes as many gifts as there are human beings. And so you genuinely are a gift, that you genuinely have gifts, that God has put things in you that only exist in you. That you are a gift to the church, that without you, we're like a body missing parts. This is elsewhere in the Bible. That you are a gift to the world, that without you, things in the world may genuinely not happen the way they need to happen. People in the world may genuinely go hungry, they may go lost, they may go missing, they may be in sorrow, because you have gifts that the world needs, that God has made specifically for you. We believe that you have a purpose, and we want to equip you for that purpose, to help you walk into the world as good stewards of the gifts that you've been given. Do you even know what they are? For some of you, i am talking about spiritual gifts and you've never heard that phrase before. That's okay. Some of you have heard the phrase before and you're like, I took a test once and I was like 13 and I remember something and it was a word I don't really, it's been a long time. Actually, I don't know that I've ever really used that. And for some of you, this is something that you know and you're really aware exactly what your gifts are and you're always trying to use them and you're always trying to be really good stewards of those gifts. Uh, One of the things we're going to do, by the way, if we have your email address, I'm going to just send you a quick spiritual gifts test. And you can take it and you can get a better sense of maybe who you are and, and who God's called you to be. If we don't have your email, you can write on one of those little cards, throw it in the basket, and we'll send you the test too. There's no way to fail. It's not what it is. It's just a way of helping you be thankful. And of helping you realize who God has created you to be, what God has created you for. So that you might become more thankful and more thorough. So that you might become better stewards of the gifts that God has given you. The message in the church a lot of the time is uh, that God has given us these gifts and and we're this group of people that if one gift on its own doesn't really work as well as all the gifts together, you can sort of hear this symphony uh, as they work together. I was thinking about that and thinking about a piece of music I wanted to play for you to maybe help you. So uh, listen to this piece of music and hopefully it'll be audible, technology permitting. So that's just a little bit of Moonlit Sonata yeah, an old familiar piece of music to some of you but it wasn't the song itself that I wanted to hear, it was the weird sounds in the background that strange water dripping kind of sound and that odd echo that seemed to be happening those of you who were musicians were picking up all kinds of things that song was actually recorded in a cave it was recorded in a cave called the um, Blue Ray Caverns and they're in Virginia you can go and visit them by the way what happened when the Luray Caverns were discovered was uh, the Spelunkers, one of them was a musician. And they went and they explored this massive cave, acres and acres and acres underground, stalactites and stalagmites. If you've ever been in a cave, you, you kind of know what it looks like. I've actually got a picture of these little Luray Caverns. They're deep and beautiful and mysterious. And they, they walked around, but as they were walking around, the musician kept hearing weird sounds. Like a water drop would hit, and it would sound like C. And then he would walk a little further, and a water drop would hit, and it would sound like F-sharp. And he kept walking and walking and walking through the caverns, acres and acres of caverns. And eventually he started to tap on stalagmites and stalactites. These beautiful strange shapes and colors, these odd pillars of rock underground. And he found that some of them genuinely made notes, some of them genuinely made tunes and tones. And so he set up little hammers all over the cavern. He was thankful and amazed by what had happened. He became thankful about how to use it. Little hammers all over the cavern. He wired them to an organ console an organ that has no pipes, an organ that has no strings, an organ that plays the rocks themselves. And these pillars of rock have little hammers on them and you can play keys. Can you pull up a picture of the organ? You can play, picture, you can play the keys and you can genuinely play the rocks. The music moves through the rocks themselves. And that piece of music was recorded in this cavern. You were listening to rocks That's what you were listening to. You were listening to music that was moving through these beautiful, strange, multicolored, multifaceted shapes. Now, you and I, you and I are absolutely like these pieces of rock underground. Uh, We might occasionally feel like we're valueless. We might occasionally feel like we don't necessarily fit. But if we have a master hand moving all of us together, if we come together and use all of the gifts that we've given, if we become really good stewards of our gifts, submitting to the one who made us in the first place, submitting to the creator who gave us the gifts in the first place, beautiful music, beautiful music can be played through us. Through us. Peter starts talking about those who speak should speak as though speaking the words of God. Those who serve should serve as though with the strength of God. That God is moving through us. The power of God is moving through us. That's what we talk about when we talk about spiritual gifts. That's what we talk about when we say that God has given us gifts to be good stewards of. The question is whether we're thankful for them, whether we're thankful about them, whether we're thorough with them. And Peter, of course, in talking about this, just starts breaking off. Right? All of a sudden, he's, God is so good. God's given us so many gifts. And all of a sudden, he just starts saying, and to him be honor, and to him be glory, and to him be praise forever and ever and ever. Amen. Right in the middle, he just starts praying in the middle of his letter. You can imagine somebody writing this by hand. Amen. And the letter continues for a whole other chapter. He's not done. not done by any means. But there's just something about when you're overwhelmed by what God can do, what God can do in and through you, what God has done for you. You start thinking about the, the gifts that you've been given. It's amazing. And you just break off and you start talking about how good God is. How thankful you are. Amen and amen and amen and amen. Friends, you have been given gifts. Gifts that I couldn't possibly list all of them. You are a gift to us and to the world. Are you being a good steward of those gifts? Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us.